True Crime friends, welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. I hope you are all having a wonderful week so far. Well, I mean, I hope you're having as good a week as you possibly can. The world sucks lately these days, as we all know. And I feel like we're all just trying to survive. <laughs> so I hope you are surviving out there, if not hashtag thriving. But if you are having a tough time out there, I hope it gets better for you. Some housekeeping. Please make sure you follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia. I will be adding a Twitter later this month. So look out for that. Of course, I'll announce it on Instagram and such. But look out for that. Also, don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber by going to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom. If you become a subscriber, you will have access to all of my extra bonus content. Currently, I have the John Benet Ramsey case up. And this next one that's coming out, you will find out tomorrow what case I will be covering for this month's exclusive episode. I'm very excited. It's a good one. Also, please remember that True Crime and Academia is strictly for educational purposes and that all perpetrators... People are innocent until proven guilty. Now, this week's case has been boggling my mind because when I first looked it up, I just thought it would be a typical, like, disappearance case, but it is not. It is quite wild. (laughs) So, without further ado, let's get into it. On April 20th, 1953, Oxford police responded to a call about a missing persons case. The call came in from the roommate of a business student named Ronald Tamman Jr. They pulled up to Fisher Hall at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and went up to room 225. The dorm room looked like any other. Police were stumped because there were no signs of foul play and his car was still left on the lot. Without the benefit of today's technology, police immediately put out a theory that Ronald had experienced amnesia and just walked off. Ronald Tamman Jr. was born on July 23, 1933, in Maple Heights, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland. He was one of four children, and from what I've researched, it seems like he grew up in a normal middle-class family. By all accounts, it seems that he had a happy and normal childhood. In grade school and high school, he was described as being a nice kid who was really smart, but he never seemed to have, like, a best friend, but was pretty friendly with everyone. He was also described as being money-focused and responsible. He was interested in music and played the bass fiddle. Ron was actually a pretty good-looking dude. He was 5'9 to 5'10, weighed 175 pounds, had brown hair and brown eyes. He also had a pretty muscular build and was fairly fit but despite his good looks you would think he'd be popular but he kind of wasn't and he was actually known to be a very private person in college ron belonged to a fraternity called delta tau delta he would frequently go to their parties there and in his freshman year it was said that ronald was dating an older woman 
following year, though, some say that he would bring that woman around with him, although it seemed like they weren't dating exclusively. On April 19th, 1953, at around 8 p.m., Ronald had come out of his dorm room to get clean sheets. A fellow student had pulled a prank on him by putting a fish on his bed. It was said, though, that these two would prank each other quite often. So, because some people suspected that maybe this fish was a sign of something sinister. But as it turns out, like I said, it was just these two had constantly pranked each other over the years that they had known each other. And this was just normal. Ron then attended music practice at his fraternity house and walked back to the dorms with two of his fraternity brothers. A report founded by Oxford police stated that later that night, Ron was seen in a car with a woman. The report says that the two of them spoke for about 45 minutes and then drove off together. Now, it was said that the woman was from Hamilton, Ohio, but this lead was never investigated further and the woman still remains unidentified to this day. At around midnight, a woman by the name of Mrs. Spivey had a knock on her door. When she opened the door, she found a young man there asking where he was and if he could find transportation. She told him about a bus that was close by, and she stated that the man that she had spoke to was a little disheveled and dirty and appeared, like, confused. But other than that, he wasn't, like, upset. He wasn't angry. Um, The other thing that was odd was that he was not wearing a coat or a hat. And even though this was, like, April, this was a particularly cold night, and there was reports that there was snow on the ground. A few months later, she actually saw Ron's photo in the newspaper and contacted police about her encounter. While she claims that Ron was the man that she spoke with, her husband and some of Ron's relatives feel that it wasn't him and it must have just been some other person that night. Ron's roommate came home at about 10 o'clock that night to an empty dorm. He stated that the lights were on, the radio was playing, and there was a book open out on Ron's desk. And... To him, it appeared that Ron must have just stepped out for a few minutes and would be returning soon. When police searched the room the following day, they discovered his clothes, car keys, wallet, identification, his watch, his school class ring, and a bunch of other of his personal belongings back in the dormitory. What was odd, though, they found was that the book that was opened up on his desk was a psychology book. But Ron had actually dropped the psychology class three weeks earlier. Now, Ron's gold 1938 Chevrolet sedan was not taken from its parking spot in the school, and his prized bass fiddle was actually in the backseat of the car. Police found that there was at least $200 in his bank account, and it was believed that he had at least 10 to $15 on his person the night that he disappeared. Police had discovered about five months before Ron's disappearance that he had gone to see a Dr. Garrett J. Boone, who was a family doctor from Hamilton, Ohio, and was also the county's coroner. A lot of people have found this suspicious because he could have gotten it done by the hospital, like by a doctor on the campus at the hospital. But it was said by friends of Ron that he wanted to donate blood for cash. And at this time, donating blood to the Red Cross was still very new. The first national blood collection was actually to benefit soldiers in World War II. And some speculated that, you know, because Ron was responsible and just an overprepared person, that he wanted to know his blood type ahead of time. Because they sometimes took only certain blood types. And people, you know, like I said, they knew he was prepared 
and that he was responsible. So they just think that Ron did this to make sure that he would be able to donate blood and make some money. Which is, <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, I don't hear of many college students doing this today. But I can't, I mean, I remember being in college and it was like, if you didn't have a job necessarily, like doing something like this was definitely something, you know, college students do. Definitely something I would have done had I known I could have made money for donating my blood. <laughs> but, you know, if you remember, I mean, I remember being in college. You're so busy with all the work that you have to do. Sometimes getting a part-time job just isn't feasible. So, you know, finding ways like this is, you know, I guess a good alternative, you know, to make some extra cash. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, true crime friends. You've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, pre-cut, and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a one-of-a-kind gift or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, if you guys haven't noticed, I'm like obsessed with Coraline and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E made it on Facebook and Instagram. Once again, go to Mandy made it on Facebook and Instagram, send her a DM and order today. So that was a rough timeline of the night that Ron disappeared. It was also said that I had found somewhere that Ron had actually seen his family the week before. And, you know, they said that he was fine. Nothing was wrong. What's weird to me about this case is that authorities were so quick to dismiss the lead about the mystery woman. You would think, you know, when someone says they found someone, they saw someone who was with him and they drove off together. And then that was pretty much the last time that anyone had seen him. You would think they'd look into it more. But at the same time, we need to remember that this is the 1950s and to, there's none of the technology that we had today. So trying to figure out who this woman was was extremely difficult and they were unable to get any leads at the time. So because of this, literally within a week of his disappearance, they just decided to go with this theory of Ron getting amnesia and just walking away on his own. <laughs> and it really doesn't it doesn't make sense. And I know some of you are probably like just like, wait a minute, you glossed over that real quick in the intro of this case. But that's mostly just because I wanted to kind of lay the groundwork and then talk about it now. Um, obviously, that is a cockamamie <laughs> conclusion. And 
one that they pretty much just made up on their own. Given that, you know, like I said, they had limited resources. I mean, I can understand. But the fact that they even decided that they had to come out with a cause like that for his disappearance just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it just doesn't seem like (laughs) ethical. But yeah, so anyway, they decided that this was a thing, that it was just amnesia. Oh, my God. And when you actually, I've seen some of the pages of the psychology book that he had had open on his desk. And one of the interesting things is it talks about habits, like habit formation and the psychology of habit formation. And then about like hypnotism, which is interesting. Again, he dropped the course three weeks ago or three weeks before this. So why would he still have it? Like, it doesn't make sense that he would be looking at it. I mean... But then again, I've taken psychology classes. I've never dropped any psychology classes because I enjoyed them so much. But, you know, who's to say that he didn't want to look into a few things? You know, he seemed, or at least as he was described as being responsible and just smart. Maybe he was trying to figure out how to build some better habits. I don't know. It's, you know, anything is possible, really, unfortunately. (laughs) So there have been a lot of different theories of what happened to Ron over the years. And Jennifer Wagner, she is a Miami University alumnus. She began researching this case back in 2010. And since then, she has been trying to solve this case. Now, she and like some other people, including the police, they don't think that he died at the time of his disappearance. And again, there is no evidence of it. I did find it funny, though, because there was an article that said the police didn't want to suspect or couldn't suspect foul play because of how he was built. (laughs) They were basically just like, oh, he's too tall and too fit. Like, there's no way anyone could have been able to overpower him or take him forcefully, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, we all know that that is a bunch of horseshit. (laughs) I mean, anyone can be taken down if they're surprised and they don't know what's going on. Or even not even if they're surprised. You know, there could be drug elements. You know, who knows? I mean, and again, I'm not talking about Ron's case specifically, but just the notion that, you know, someone could be too big or too strong to be taken down. I just think that is... That's just really misleading and not at all accurate. From what I've read, it seems that Jennifer Wagner believes that he might have actually died around 1995 and the what I found was really cool because she bases this conclusion on the fact that the FBI discarded Ronald Tammons fingerprints and like his fingerprint records in 2002 now the regulations with like destroying fingerprint records you're only allowed to do that seven years after the person's died so if 2002 was the seventh year that he had been dead then that would, you know, definitely put his original death at 1995. There were some other theories that had gone around. Some people thought that it could have been a hazing gone wrong. You know, he was in a fraternity. Fraternities prank each other. However, though, I don't think that they would have hazed him because at this point he was a sophomore and he was already in the fraternity. So it's not like he was a frosh, you know, he wasn't, 
he wasn't trying to get into the fraternity. He was already in the fraternity. So if they had, if it had been that case, it wouldn't make sense. But, you know, it's still a possibility. Some people say that he wanted to run away from the draft. Now, I'm not sure. I did kind of try to look and see if there were any wars going on or, like, what was happening in the time. So I couldn't really find any evidence to support that there was a draft going on. Or, I mean, it's totally possible. I could just not be looking in the right places. But, yeah, so some people said he wanted to run away from the draft. Again, not too sure about that. I don't... I don't know that I buy that. I mean, Ron was just a very responsible dude. And he always seemed like he would do what was expected of him. And I don't think that the draft would have scared him away. If anything, I feel like he would have felt a responsibility to be a part of the draft. Or to be a part, you know, of this. So, I don't know. I'm not buying that one either. Now, the mystery woman, like I said, this theory is very interesting to me some people think that maybe this mystery woman was pregnant with his kid and that's why they ran away some people also believe that that's maybe why he got his blood tested but again people saw there is a report so i don't know who filed the report i don't know how reliable that person is i don't know if that person knows ron that well at all Um, Even the officer who found the report said it is possible that it was fake and that someone just made it up. But if it is a real report and that really did happen, then where did they go? What happened? What did what did she do? What did they do? You know, like there's so many questions around that possible scenario. There is also another possibility that possibly Tamman, Ronald Tamman, was recruited to the CIA. Some people throw around the possibility that that psychology professor of the class that he dropped three weeks before was somehow involved with the CIA and that he recruited him that way. And that the reason he dropped the course was maybe to avoid suspicion. I don't know. Again, all of these things could be possible. Some of them seem far-fetched, but because of the limited forensic technology, the limited forensic information around um, during this time, it was really hard for officers to, you know, collect things and test. You know, DNA testing wasn't a thing back then, you know, and we do not nearly have any of the sophisticated technologies and processes that we do today so they were really stuck I mean imagine like it's literally trying to find a needle in a haystack and you know a lot of people know I mean I'm sure a lot of you know this if you wanted to go missing the best time to do that was like in the 50s in the 40s you know before all of this technology before CCTV cameras things like that so I definitely think if Ronald went missing today, he would have been found pretty quickly. I don't think it would have taken so long, nor do I think that the police would have just offered up. Yeah, he got amnesia and just walked away. (laughs) Oh, I still can't believe that that was a theory they had. Oh, God. Now, since he's disappeared, students of Miami University have claimed that his ghost haunted Fisher Hall. Now, 
the thing about Fisher Hall is that it used to be like an asylum. So, you know, it could be possible they heard voices from that. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily believe in, like, ghosts, but I believe that our spirits linger around, so it could be possible, which I guess is the same thing. Whatever. Now, Fisher Hall was eventually torn down in 1978, and they actually conducted a very extensive search in the rubble just to see if they could find remains of Ronald Tammond Jr., but sadly, there was no evidence. So, to this day, Ronald's case remains unsolved, and like I said, a lot of students at Miami University think that he haunt the grounds there. Um, they thought he had haunted, like I said, Fisher Hall. I saw somewhere else that they thought he had haunted maybe this particular garden area where they'd play music. But obviously, you know, it's hard to it's hard to know. Can't say for sure. But personally, I'm of the belief I don't. I don't think he died that day. I don't think he died the day he disappeared. I think possibly, like everyone else, um, he died later. The only thing that I could think of that maybe if he died that day was, you know, wherever him and this woman drove off. If that is a real report. If that is really what happened. Um, I think that maybe she could have been in some trouble or, you know, something could have happened there. But... Like I said, to this day, we still don't know what happened to Ronald Tammon Jr. But that is all I have for you today, guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of the week. Please don't forget to follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia. Ivory Tower Boiler Room at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Boiler Room on Twitter. And just search the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Facebook. And if you want to get your hands on extra content, go to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and you will find my exclusive episodes there. Please stay safe out there, stay healthy, do all the things, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia. I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director. Our team includes Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, Nicole Arguello, our marketing assistant, and Kimberly Dallas, our editor. Ivory Tower Boiler Room episodes come out on Monday, and sometimes I'm joined by a guest co-host. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. And here's Mary. Hello, everyone. I am the host of True Crime and Academia. Do not forget to follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia. And coming soon, there will be a Twitter also at True Crime and Academia. Now, if you're like me, you like to have bonus episodes. I love extra content, don't you? So go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. Not only do you have access to our video interviews, but you will also be able to access never before seen bonus episodes. So like I said, you can't, we don't release them anywhere else. You can only get those on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room and become a subscriber today. And don't forget to listen to ivory tower boiler room on Mondays and true crime and academia on Tuesdays.